This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is a premier male grooming company with the star Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, and we want to be able to share the savings with you, our awesome listeners. So you can use the promo code BLUECHIP, all one word, to get 20% off your next order. Don't let your balls down. Get the Lawnmower 3.0. Your balls will thank you. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Big Shots NFL Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Renition. I'm joined, as always, by my colleague over at Blue Chip Scouting, Devin Jackson. Devin, how are you today? Can't complain, man. Can't complain. Uh, pretty good Monday morning so far uh, that we're recording this. So, um, full-on draft season is here. So, uh, you know, getting players done and, and taking a look at... <laughs> You know, uh, conference players. I watched a few of my conference tight ends over this past week and, and very excited about this tight end class in general. So, um, other than that, no complaints, man. Yeah, absolutely. Same from here, same here on my end. Uh, I don't know if this is a good day yet or not, Devin, because I have only been up for 20 minutes. Uh, actually you texting me to say that, uh, you were, you know, you were about to get ready to set it up. That is what woke me up. So uh, it's uh, 11 o'clock right now uh, on Monday, and I've maybe been up for like 20 minutes. Um, yeah, that's it's just going to be a very simple, laid-back podcast. We have a, a, a good one coming for you on Friday. We're going to pick all of the bowl games uh, for Friday and Saturday on that show. So today we're just going to talk about some prospects. This is a draft podcast after all. And what are we going to do? Review Army Navy? There wasn't a single prospect in that game. Talk about the NFL? No. Um, But before we get into all of that, just a quick reminder, guys. Of course, the show brought to you by our friends over at Jersey House. Um, Why spend an arm and a leg on a a brand new jersey when you can get one from Jersey House for a fraction of that, I have two on the way that I'm very excited about. Devin's got his LSU Odell Beckham, whether you want NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, college, uh, basketball or football. If you want um, to be that really smug friend that owns a, a, an NBA player's high school jersey, you can get that too. Head on over to jerseyhouse.ca. Use the promo code BIGSHOTS for 15% off. So Devin, you mentioned that we were talking uh, that we had been uh, watching our conferences players. Were you focused this week on Mountain West, or were you doing uh, the MAC? Uh, definitely Mountain West. Um, I think we're probably going to get through Mountain West uh, pretty uh, pretty quickly. Well, not pretty quickly, but uh, first at, at the very least. Because uh, I'm still waiting on a few uh, MAC players. Uh, that well, I'm waiting on a ton from from both of mine. Yeah, I'm waiting on uh, some Mac players uh, to to make some decisions on whether or not they're going to leave or uh, come back to school because uh, I don't want to waste time watching and doing a value, full evaluation. And then all of a sudden, you know, you, uh, you know, the evaluation no longer matters. But I started with a couple couple Mountain West tight ends, Cole Turner and Trey McBride. Both guys I've watched, so I'm very happy about this. Yeah, so uh, both of them, uh, Cole Turner is someone uh, I, I watched kind of in passing over the summer because uh, 
our colleague Austin Moel. Uh, he watched Cole Turner and Carson Strong before I got a chance to get to them. So, uh, you know, Cole Turner was kind of a pleasant surprise during the season more so than uh, over a summer watch. But for him, uh, you know, he, he's really kind of the, the new age tight end. You know, he's, he's more of the, the flexed out type of tight end, uh, you know, kind of H back sets, uh, someone that can kind of own the middle of the fields, uh, with his ability to, to stretch the field vertically and finding soft spots in his own. Uh, does a really good job high pointing passes and, and making contested catches. He's made some, uh, fantastic highlight reel catches back shoulder. Uh, but on back shoulder fades as well. Uh, so he, he's going to have that versatility as it translates to the next level to basically be a uh, Travis Kelsey type where you move him kind of all over the place and then he's able to catch the ball from several different positions. Um, and what I think is kind of underrated about him is, is kind of uh, his open field speed. I think uh, he has a little bit more speed than I think he gets credit for. Uh, he can, uh, really do do some nice things uh, in or he did some nice things in Nevada's offense, uh, being able to to, you know, catch the ball even when he was double covered or had safety help over the top. So him being able to open up the middle of the field uh, definitely helped out Romeo Dubs as well, uh, because he was he took attention over the middle of the field and left one on one opportunities on the outside for those receivers and obviously Carson Strong to full, full advantage. So. I think when, when you look at uh, kind of his size and, and ability to move in, in space and, uh, you know, operate over the middle of the field, I think he, he's everything, kind of checks those boxes. Um, he did have some some drop issues kind of earlier in the season. Uh, there was one game in particular, I think he had three or four drops. I think it was against Idaho State. Uh, he struggled a little bit uh, just, just looking the ball in and, and being uh, consistent with that. But uh, really outside of that, I didn't see too many issues. I mean, he made some uh, really, really tough catches over the course of the season. Um, and, you know, he was putting in some tough spots sometimes by Carson Strong, but that's because he was willing to attack all areas of the field. Uh, but but really, a uh, really solid player. Uh, I, I'm close to uh, finishing up his report, but uh, based on the numbers that I've kind of accumulated for so far, he's probably going to get uh, like a mid-third round grade from me. Uh, just because I, I do think, um, you know, while he's uh, very skilled and, and, and has the ability to, to, you know, run routes from all uh, sides of the field, uh, I do think his route running can be a little bit more crisp. Uh, I think, you know, sometimes he's drifting uh, on like out routes or, uh, you know, when he's sitting in the zone, I can see him kind of drifting a little bit instead of, uh, slowing his body down and, and sometimes that uh, causes him to absorb big hits. Um, and, and I just want to see him be, uh, more con- consistent on, on the easy routine catches. I think he's shown that he can make the, the tough catches, but just want to see him catch the easy ones and, um, just be a better, uh, a better blocker on the perimeter. I think, uh, he's serviceable in, in terms of blocking, but I don't think it's anything special. And, um, you know, if he's going to be used as a, you know, potential tight end to at the next level, he's going to have to be a little bit better uh, in one-on-one situations blocked on the perimeter. Yeah, I, I definitely love those two. Right now they're both sitting in the top five of my tight, uh, rankings at the tight end position through preliminary viewing. Let's see how that changes over the course of, um, you know, the, the regular, sorry, the, the evaluation season, the final report season um 
Devin, I, I don't think it's any surprise that my first guy that I wanted to get my my final scouting uh, final scouting report on was going to be uh, Jalen Petrie, brand guy supreme for like most of us here at Blue Chip Scouting. Man, he's good. He's just so freaking good. Um, listen, he's not without his limitations. I don't think that he's someone that you want to play in a deep zone. Uh, you definitely don't want him having to be your single high safety. He's really limited when it comes to playing man coverage. Uh, he's just not that, that much of a sticky, uh, you know, uh, DB when it comes to, to staying in man. He's really good at shallow and intermediate zones. He's really good at baiting the wide, uh, sorry, the quarterback. What I saw this year a lot is, if you go back and you watch his film from 2020, you know, he'd be really good sitting in, in an off zone and then the quarterback would throw it and he'd just be there to make a tackle. This year, he was baiting, just staying that little bit out of, you know, the, the peripheral vision of the quarterback, baits the throw, then comes in and either gets the pass deflection, which he had seven of, or he'd get the interception, which he had two. Um, great tackler. Amazing when it comes to, to to run support. Put him in the overhang position, whether you've got him out in the slot or just kind of as a quasi-slot slash linebacker. Uh, almost, this is going to sound very weird, the same way that Clemson used to use Isaiah Simmons in that type of role, where they just lined him up everywhere because he could just kind of fit everywhere. Uh, but no, like, if you want him as like a, a, a smaller linebacker at 5'11", 197, I mean, you could do so. Uh, he's great at zone coverage in that area. You can put him up. I think he's, his best position is going to be a slot corner at the next level. I don't think he's a, truly a safety. I think he's more of a slot corner slash overhang rusher. Uh, again, much of the same guy that we saw as, uh, you know, from Kerry Vincent from LSU during that national championship winning team. Yeah, he, he was a player uh, that – you know, kind of popped off the screen for me uh, during the last draft cycle. I was watching William Bradley King, uh, the edge rusher out of Baylor, and I kept seeing him, like, pop up all over the place, like all over yep. the field. Uh, really, the first exposure to him was against Oklahoma last year. He popped, uh, I can't remember what receiver, I think it was Charleston Rambo, uh, but he popped him on a shallow cross, and, and then from there, I'm like, yeah, this dude, is, he has something there, um, and then he's continued to grow from there. Um, and, and I agree with you. I think he's one of those position, positionless uh, hybrid defenders that uh, don't get often get valued in the NFL draft. Uh, you know, I'm seeing players like Buda Baker and uh, like Deion Cannon and, and players like that that don't necessarily fit the mold of either a modern safety or modern linebacker or modern nickel player, but they do a little bit of everything. Definitely want to see him a little bit better in, in man coverage. I mean, he has really nice hips. He can open open up and, and close on, on plays uh, pretty swiftly. Uh, just want to see him be uh, a little bit better in terms of his eyes. I, I think his eyes and, and coverage, sometimes uh, they tend to drift and, and kind of put him in a bad position. But in terms of zone, I mean, he's great. And he's fantastic in short zones. And uh, do closes from all over the field. There's no doubt of that. I mean, there's plays like he's making plays while he's going in motion. He still uh, covers like 20, 15, 20 yards of ground uh, within a few seconds. So Yeah, and he flies to the football. He's If there's a tackle to be made by, by Baylor's defense, he wants to be there. He's just – I don't think there are going to be too many players that are going to get score perfect physicality grades for me this year. Jalen Peach is one of them. 
Yeah, yeah, he's he's fantastic. He does a little bit of everything, uh, and very uh, interested to see how he fares. Uh, I believe is he going to the Senior Bowl or do you accept? Yes, yes. Uh, he, definitely. He's uh, he's he's joining Abram Smith and uh, Terrell Bernard down there. Definitely interested to see where they uh, put him at in terms of what groups he's working with, because uh, I, I I think he probably gets uh, some. Some reps at, at nickel, linebacker, and safety while he's down there, just just to get a full range of view of his skill set. But I think that time in, at the senior bowl is really going to be important for him uh, to to do some work in front of NFL scouts. Uh, the other guy I watched, Devin, was uh, Iowa State tight end Charlie Kohler. And listen, there are things that Charlie Kohler does well. There are things that Charlie Kohler doesn't do well. The one thing that I found while watching Charlie Kohler was where is his role at the next level? Because I think the problem is that a lot of people have seen that he's the primary target in that Iowa State passing attack. And they just, they look at the numbers, they look at the touchdowns, and they just go, well, that's going to translate because he gets open and he, you know, and he finds the end zone. But then when you actually throw on the film, it's very hard to see where he wins at the next level. So what I have for, for Kohler is like, he's a, he's an above average route runner. The problem is that he's rather stiff when it comes to getting in and out of his cuts. Uh, you know, he's not, uh, yeah, like he's not quick. He's not explosive. Ah, so. He's very limited in the routes that he can run. And then the other problem that I found with Kohler is if he has to slow down for a, you know, a route, he can't regain that speed. So what you end up having is a little bit more sloppy technique on breaking routes that he's rounding them off, which, again, a defensive back in the NFL is going to capitalize on that. A quarterback's not going to throw to him if he's, if he's running sloppily run routes because he can't cut in and out of his breaks. What he does best is finding the soft spot in the, you know, in the zone, sit, sit down, get the catch, get a couple of yards. He's a serviceable route runner. He's not an, an upper tier route runner. He's like, um, he's a solid B in route running. Great hands. He's able to high point the football on a jump ball. He's 6'6", 260, and he's physical at the point of, you know, at the, at the catch point. Again, NFL teams, they're going to like that. Depends on where they value having a six foot six, two hundred and sixty pound jump ball tight end. Is that round four? Is that round five? Round six? But like, I'll, I'll tell you, he might be the worst run blocker, like run blocker on the team. And I'm not. He might be in like the bottom ten in the conference. He is more or less just a, a, a speed bump as a run blocker. He just tries to get his hands on you and maybe maybe turns you. But he doesn't get his hands on you. He, like, kind of just flings himself at you and hopes that you almost, like, trip over him trying to get around him. He doesn't grab properly. His his hand placement's always wrong. It's it's ugly to watch him try to, to, to run block. And when he has to be the lead blocker, unless he's got a, an offensive lineman or another tight end lead blocking with him, that play is usually, a, you know, a tackle for loss. Not very versatile. Like I said, stiff-hipped. He's got no deep speed, so he really can't be, you know, a vertical threat down the field. You're looking at short yardage, soft spot, you know, weapon, or a jump ball target in the end zone. And again, no, 
no yards after catch uh, threat. Like he can basically catch the ball, turn and fall forward, but he doesn't make anyone miss. He he came with a with a much lower grade than even I thought I was going to give him. Uh, man, I was just severely underwhelmed watching Charlie Kohler. Yeah, he he's uh, he's a, a a high floor, uh, low ceiling type of player where he's exactly what you're gonna get from him. You know, I don't think he's. I also just don't think he's improved over the last. I don't know, uh, two years. Yeah, I mean, he's been the same player pretty much since he's kind of his peak. Um, and. You know, uh, players like that, uh, they don't always translate the best at the NFL because they hit their kind of their their peak development. And uh, while I do think he can probably be a more effective route runner at the next level uh, and, and, you know, take some some NFL coaching and really use it to his advantage, I don't think you're going to get more, uh, you know, out of him than than you would think. Um, To me, he seems almost like a Jason Witten type of player on the back half of his career where he pretty much uh, ran like, you know, three, four routes and, you know, just using his size to box out defenders. And I can see Kolar in that type of role where he occupies the middle of the field because he's a big target to throw to and uh, teams are going to get comfortable uh, throwing to him over the middle of the field with um, and and I just think, you know, when when you look at what he brings to the table, I think it's going to be valued around four. Um, and, and a team is, to me, uh, based on you know his film, you know, probably his testing is going to be the greatest. I think a team falls in love with him and, and just takes him around four because they want him on this team. They have his. He's a name ball. brand guy. He's right. a name brand guy. Right, there are other... We see we see this a lot with different positions every year, where because someone's been around and they've they've been productive for three, four, sometimes a fifth year now, especially with with COVID, these guys get drafted based off of like name almost name recognition. Yeah, you know what the 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 athletic testing is bad and the film leaves a lot to desire, but he found a way to produce. Yeah, I mean, there, there's always a role for that type of player in a fall offense. So I think, I think he, he probably goes like around Ian four. Book in round four. Yeah, I like mean, I, it, it doesn't always make sense, but a, a team is gonna gonna like him and like what he brings to the table. So I, I would not be surprised if he went round four. Now, Devin, are you are you strictly sticking to your conference at this moment, or have you dabbled in other in other players? Yeah, so uh, I found myself watching the FCS playoffs. And uh, shocker, shocker, Devin finding himself ways to add more people to the ever growing list of brand guys. Yeah, this is, this is true. You, you are that love actually meme uh, come to life. To me, you are brand. Yeah. <laughs> There's a love actually uh, 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 reference on, on the podcast. I bet you didn't see that one coming. No, I did not. Um, but yeah, so I ended up watching Montana State, Sam Houston State uh, in the FCS quarterfinals. And I didn't know what to expect. I knew I heard some rumblings about uh, Troy Anderson, the linebacker out of Montana State. Uh, I heard uh, him mentioned on 
on um, Fran Duffy's and uh, Ben Fennel's and um, Dane Brugler's podcast. And I was like, okay, this guy sounds interesting. You know, why don't I take a look? He was 6'4", like 245, I think, 250. Um, So he has has length uh, in – I dove into his background. Dude played quarterback, running back. Uh, We played quarterback in 2018, was all-conference. 2019, he played running back and linebacker, so he played both sides of the ball. Uh, and then 2020 and 2021, he's been strictly as a linebacker. Dude, dude has some some juice. He has some juice, man. Uh, he, you know, I watched a couple of his 2019 games just to get a feel of, of what I'm looking at, and and I was impressed uh, with his spatial awareness and able to close from the space. Uh, he's more of an off-ball linebacker that. You can throw uh, kind of in, uh, you know, a, a 4-3 defense, kind of play that overhang role, has some putt pass rush upside as well, uh, and, and can really get home as a blitzer. So, you know, I, I watched him before the game. And I was like, okay, he's a solid dude. And then I turned on, on the game. He was all over the place, uh, you know, making tackles in the perimeter, uh, closing from space, uh, being able to uh, use his eyes and, and block shed and, and get to get to the running back and uh you know get tackles for loss so I, he's someone that's popped up late on my radar but if i i would probably give him a draftable grade if i were to do a scouting farm so I, he's added to the list uh, of players to watch uh and, and players to uh, evaluate he's going to the east shrine east west shrine game um so that that should be interesting in terms of how, what he's going to do so uh, he, he ended up uh, being a lot better than I thought he would be. You know, I heard that, you know, he, he can, you know, uh, fall for play action fakes and, and not be as high discipline. Uh, but I didn't see too much of issues with that uh, against Sam Houston in particular. I have to go back and watch some more games that he played in this year. But uh, he's someone that, that pleasantly surprised me. And I would not be surprised if someone took a, a day three flyer on him. I think I do think. You're going to have to, uh, you know, bulk him up a little bit, uh, get a little bit stronger at the point of attack. I think he can take on blocks a little bit better because uh, he's one of those new age linebackers that try to get underneath blocks instead of block shedding straight up. Um, but but in terms of, uh, you know, an athlete, I mean, dude, he can, he can cover sideline and sideline. Um, interested to see him a little bit more in coverage, too. Um, I think he, he struggled a little bit uh, eye discipline wise in, in, in deeper zones, but in short area zones, he's pretty good closing on the ball. So he's someone that, uh, that, you know, out of conference that I've kind of watched. And then, uh, you know, for next year, there's, there's a safety on Montana State that looks interesting too. Uh, former Oregon State player, uh, Jeffrey Manning, uh, Jr. Uh, he played for Oregon State in 2018, 2019 and transferred to Montana State last year. Uh, had five interceptions this year so far and, uh, looks really good on the back end, so I'm, I'm going to take a deeper look at him as well. But Montana State, they have prospects. That just goes to show you can find them anywhere. Yeah, I didn't dip out into the FCS playoffs. I think we can we can safely say that I probably will save a lot of those guys for later. 
But I took a look at it. I invaded our guy EJ Holt's conference for a bit. I, I took a look at, at the pit offense and, you know, yeah, I got an extra look at, at, at Kenny Pickett and was able to, to, to kind of firm up more of an evaluation on him. But I was actually looking at his left tackle, Carter Warren. And I say left tackle, he will switch which side of the ball he's playing on during a drive. He is the ultimate swing tackle, Devin. You want to, you know, you know how we've always had that. Well, you know, he's played left tackle all his life. Can he switch over to right tackle? I've never seen an offensive tackle switch positions on the same drive. It's amazing. He does both really well, too. Um, You know, he's got good anchor. I didn't see him let up any sacks or get called for any hole. He's just very solid, very consistent. I don't really think he's all that great of an athlete, but I think that he's someone in an offensive tackle class that we think takes a little bit of a dip after like the top five, maybe six guys. He's going to be a solid value guy in that, you know, third or fourth round for someone. I thought that I, I came away really impressed uh, with him, obviously, I want, you know, focusing on Kenny Pickett as well. I see why he's risen. Um, I right now have him as my third ranked quarterback in the class. I don't have any major complaints about Kenny Pickett. I just, I think the problem is that, you know, it, it's like year nine of him at Pitt. So how much room to develop does he have? He's got small. What took him so long? Like, what took him so long in this offense, man? He's been there since, like, the Kennedy administration. And only this year did he finally put it all together. Um, but that's that's kind of my thing. Like, he, he has, like, three three or four either average or below average years of tape, and then there's this year. So was it just a change in system? Did they finally just kind of take more of the chains off the offense? And then the last guy I watched was an Ole Miss uh, edge rusher, uh, Sam Williams. Now, I got through three games, and I came away pretty impressed. I mean, I watched him a little bit last year in the um, in the summer, and then kind of he fell out of focus for me, ended up going back. Had a good season this year. I would say that uh, 2020 was better than – or 2021 was better than 2019 films. I didn't really watch a whole lot of it from 2020. And he came out really good on film. He's like a, he's a solid day two guy. Top 50, top 75 type player. I don't know what to do with his off field, man. There's a lot of it. There's a lot of off field with him. And you can look it up for yourself. You can. This is not one of those where it's just like, oh, I've heard there's character concerns. There's documented proof of it. And it's not something I want to talk about on air. But, you know. The player himself on the field, great. NFL teams are going to have to keep a really tight leash on him. We're talking a, not, you know, in terms of one-to-one comparison, but remember Robert Kandichi also coming out of Ole Miss where he had all the ability in the world, but none of the production, and he would have needed round-the-clock babysitting? You might need that with Sam Williams. Yeah, yeah. There's always players uh every draft class that, uh you know, Everything looks good on film, and then you dive into the background, and, and there are a lot of things in the background uh, that aren't always good. So that's always part of the evaluation, too. I mean, 
And I guarantee an NFL team is going to take a swing at him. Just cause oh yeah, it's going to happen. It. But it, it's also, you know, do you have the resources to handle situations like that, you know, or handle off the field issues like that? And I think not every team has the uh, or is equipped to do so. And then sometimes it's not even on the team. They have everything you need and the player just can't get right. So this unfortunate part of the evaluation, you also got to keep that in mind when you're watching these players. Not every single player is going to have a clean record and, and it's going to be a clear evaluation. So um, definitely got to take that into account. Williams is someone that uh, ended up, uh, you know, I, I tweeted about him a couple of weeks ago uh, when you were playing the Egg Bowl and he was having a monster game uh, across from on the tackle on the other side, uh, not Charles Cross necessarily. Um, but uh, that off the field, uh, you know, issues are, are quite the concern. So I definitely will understand, uh, you know, people not necessarily uh, evaluating or watching him this draft class because, you know, there, there's, there's a line you draw and, and some of these players, uh, definitely, definitely cross the line off the field. So, uh, I, I definitely understand, uh, the, the hesitation to put him anywhere near uh, the first or second or, or day day one or day two. He's definitely off the field is probably going to make him a late day three flyer, if that. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, man. Um, it sucks that, you know, sometimes you get really excited about a player and what he could be. And then you realize, oh, wait a minute. No, off the field, he's he, he's definitely not someone that you would you would want to necessarily pound the table for uh is there anything else you want to talk about we might be able to get through this in a nice quick short podcast uh no i, I just wanted to to have to drop the the montana state thing uh because I, I was not because it's you no but look i i really didn't i didn't expect to find a few prospects from, from there but uh i was watching mainly for sam houston state jaquez Ezra. That was the main reason. I did uh, his uh his his, his preseason. Um, yeah, he, he was know. he was good, man. And during the spring, he tore it up. Everyone was talking about him, and he's still a pretty good player. Uh, but you know, I, I got to give credit to Montana State. They did a really good job, uh, pretty much shutting him out in the first half and, and making the game out of reach before they could start getting getting going. So. I was pleasantly surprised. Was a little disappointed with Zion and McCullum, the the corner that I saw getting hype out of Sam Houston State. He got toasted a few times in that game, uh, so not the best game for him. Um, but Montana State, they they're well on my radar, um, and, and there's there's a good chance I uh, watch uh, Troy Anderson this week and, and maybe do a scout report on him. Yeah, man. Uh, nothing else for me. Um, I mean, you know the usual by now. When, uh, Thursday, you're going to hear, or you're going to see, sorry, a uh, NFL preview from me. I'm going to try to maybe get a, a a bull primer for the Big 12 out this week, and maybe one for the Sun Belt as well, given that the Sun Belt kicks off play uh, in in bowl season this week. Yes, um, uh, the Mountain West as well. Yeah. Um, but you know, look forward to Friday's podcast because we have nine bowl games to talk about. They, they creep up on you fast, but until then, guys, you can find me on Twitter at Mike H underscore draft. You can find Devin on Twitter at real D underscore Jackson. Find the show on Twitter at big shots pod. Follow our work at blue chip scouting, follow blue chip scouting at blue chip scout. And we'll see you on Friday morning, everybody.
friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the planet for whatever your needs are. With nine amazing flavors to choose from, all of which covered in 100% chocolate. Oh, by the way, guys, they have several monthly special offer bars as well, all of which have up to 19 grams of protein with only 4 grams of added sugar and 4 grams of net carbs. Built Bar has whatever you're looking for, whether you're looking for a delicious snack, a pre- or post-workout bar, or need to keep up with your macros, Built Bar is a top-of-the-first-round protein bar. See what I did there? Draft puns. Head on over to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code BIGSHOTS for 10% off your next order. That's BIGSHOTS, all one word, 10% off your next order.